Helm's a functional programming language. It compiles to JavaScript. So it's basically if you want to make reliable, delightful web apps. At No Red Ink, it was actually my first time using Elm, and I can confirm that it has been a delight to write in. Now that she's been doing it for a few months, do you miss like writing JavaScript? I really don't. I don't miss writing JavaScript at all. I mean, when I first started writing Elm, it felt a little bit like wearing a straitjacket in comparison to the free-for-all that is JavaScript. Knowing what I do about Elm, this project would have gone a lot better, would have gotten done faster, the result would have been more maintainable if we'd done it in Elm. When you come up to something that's not been solved in Elm, like what's your approach? I usually try to write something new. <laughs> it's kind of it's it's kind of an exciting opportunity. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. In the room, we've got Brooke Angel. That's me. <laughs> cool. Awesome. And then the other uh, other side of the room, uh, we've got Richard Feldman. How's it going? Cool. So I have you guys here to talk about Elm, basically. Um, Elm. Actually, Richard, what is Elm? So Elm's a functional programming language. It compiles to JavaScript. So it's basically if you want to make reliable, delightful web apps. Um, so it focuses on two things. One is user experience, so having a really nice experience when you're the developer building stuff. And two is reliability. So the compiler has sort of famous for catching problems before they can reach share end users. And uh, we've actually recently crossed the milestone of um, 100,000 lines of Elm code in production. And uh, since that, uh, well, so sorry, we introduced it in 2015. And since then, the entire time we've had it in production, which is almost two years now, um, it still has not thrown a single runtime exception. Our Elm code hasn't. Cool. And then would you say in production, sorry, I, we didn't preface this, you guys are both from the same company, No Red Ink? Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. So when you say in production, you're talking about No Red Ink, not just, exactly, yeah. not just a world. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although I should add that I've actually talked to quite a few other companies using it in production, and that's always the first question I ask them is like, how many runtime exceptions have you gotten? Still the grand total is zero across all of them. Oh, that's not just us. Yeah, that's good to know because uh, I know JavaScript is really famous for its runtime errors. <laughs> it's very descriptive runtime errors. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you guys approach like why Elm and No Red Ink, and why are you an Elm programmer? I guess. Yeah, so I guess uh, that's I, I can talk to that. Um, so I uh, so I I signed on to No Red Ink um, a long time ago, um, like about three and a half years ago, and uh, back then this was like before React came out. And basically, uh, we, we had a bunch of different stuff going on with our stack. And when React came out, we're like, this is really cool. Let's adopt this. And we, so we kind of started using React. It sort of took over our front end. And then I'd been doing some Elm on the side, just kind of you know, on a side project and really liking it, being really impressed. And we had this one project that took a long time. And I kind of realized after we did the project, wow, knowing what I do about Elm, this project would have gone a lot better, would have gotten done faster. The result would have been more maintainable if we'd done it in Elm. I feel like I kind of made a mistake by not even trying to introduce it. So basically what I did was I just started it, introducing it to it, like one small part of one page, and then it just uh, we got that into production. It kind of grew from there. And uh, now today it's sort of just taken over our whole front end, and uh, it's pretty much what, uh, what all of our front end folks spend all their time doing. Cool. And then uh, speaking of those front end folks, Brooke, uh, I just wanted to ask, so I talked off mic, uh, off podcast about 
I wanted to know your background because I know now you write Elm. So I, I'm very intrigued about your background coming to No Writing and then your experience writing Elm today. Yeah, totally. I'd be excited to talk about that. So I'm actually pretty new to No Writing and I just started working there in January. Okay. And before I started there, um, I attended one of those newfangled programming boot camps. Oh, I've heard of those. <laughs> one of those. And Back at that programming boot camp, we were writing React, JavaScript, um, and learning a bit of Rails. So I had a bit of experience with React. Um, after the boot camp, I spent a while working there as a TA, okay. um, during which a lot of my job was to trace down student errors in, <laughs> in React and JavaScript. So when I started working at No Red Inc., it was actually my first time using Elm, and I can confirm that it has been a delight to write in. Cool. And then, you, so you're doing it full-time yeah. at the moment? Yeah. yeah, so far I've been working mostly on front-end stuff, so full-time Elm. So you're writing front-end code. Uh-huh. It goes through a compiler. Yeah. And then that compiler then produces JavaScript code. So walk exactly. me through the steps of how the compiler works and then how, what converts to the Elm to JavaScript. So the compiler does both of those things, basically. Um, so okay. you write, so Elm has... Um, so there's, there's a bunch of different compiled to JavaScript languages. So you got Babel, TypeScript, you know, things like that, CoffeeScript. Um, Elm's different from those in that it has completely separate semantics from JavaScript. So like CoffeeScript is like, we're going to take JavaScript and we're going to clean up a few things. TypeScript is like, we're going to take JavaScript and add types. Elm's like, we're a totally different language. JavaScript is just the bytecode. We're just going to compile to that. Um, and so what that means is that basically it's it's got this freedom to innovate on this like language design. Um, so JavaScript is sort of like famously thrown together in like two weeks or something like that. Um, whereas Elm's been sort of like more carefully designed. So part of the language design is trying to make it so that more things can be caught by the compiler. So like you don't have um, problems with null or undefined because the language doesn't have null or undefined. Instead, it has these different constructs that let you express the same idea, but in a way where the compiler can really easily check and verify that you're not forgetting to check for the possibility of you know a value being missing, things like that. Yeah, I had a follow up question, but I completely forgot what it was going to be. <laughs> um, oh, I had a joke. So <laughs> you guys are using. Uh, so you guys, you didn't talk about what no writing is. So do you want to explain that real quick so I can make it my joke? Sure. So NeuroDink is a program that um, is used in a lot of school for kids to learn grammar. Okay. So an example of um, a lesson that, a, that we would have would be a, a kid could learn punctuation by dragging commas to the correct place in a sentence. Yeah. Okay. So, or sorry, did you have a follow-up for that? Now, now we've gotten into writing, too. Yeah. So it uh, used to be just grammar, but now it's both. Cool. So you guys are you are compiling errors and exposing those. So with Elm, is that why you guys are such big fans? Because you're really, really in the grammar and <laughs> error checking. <laughs> Has no one ever thought of that correlation before? Yeah, I think you're the first, actually. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I've got your marketing pitch for you. So. Well, languages do all have to do with grammar, so fits that we're using True. a nice language. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. And then, um, so you. Did you have like coding experience before you boot camp and then going into No Red Ink, or is it all through the boot camp? I did. I took one intro to programming class in college, and this was back when I was studying neurobiology, and I was contemplating learning coding to help me with my research. Um, so I, I knew some MATLAB beforehand. Okay, yeah. I have no idea what MATLAB is, but it sounds fancy. It's used for sciencey things. Okay, <laughs> cool. So you, you came in with no experience other than your boot camp, and then... 
day one you started writing Elm Code? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay. Well, I guess technically day one I got my environment configured. Days two through five, I was sick with the flu, and then day six, I started writing Elm Code. <laughs> okay. okay, well, within that. roughly a, a couple of weeks, you're, yes. you're writing code, <laughs> which is, that's actually phenomenal. Like, I think uh, that's really awesome. And so, actually, I don't have a lot of Elm experience. We do a little bit of Elm at Netlify, oh, cool. um, which I've been tinkering around with, uh, trying to help out with, which I've not done as of yet because I'm way too busy. Uh, but I do have experience with, like, types, um, coming from like a Go, which is not mm-hmm. as strongly typed. Um, but with that being said, I have experience with working with types and having a compiler that it actually makes it easier for me to learn Go code that way. So I think if I ever like finally like read Richard's book and then actually contribute code to my project, then hopefully I'll have the same experience. So uh, I think there's, a, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm actually excited to eventually contribute to that. Yeah, totally. For show. Nice. Cool. And then, um, so when you guys say front end Elm, like, are you guys doing, can you basically do anything in Elm that you can do in the front end? So like style stuff, animations, et cetera, et cetera. Are there, is there basically what I'm asking, is there any limitations to choosing Elm as your front end, um, as far as accomplishing modern front end stuff? I mean, I'd say, uh, so there's some stuff where we do JavaScript interop. Um, there's like two kind of broad categories where we want to do that. One is there's some huge JavaScript library that nobody's written an Elm equivalent of. Uh, the example that I'm, is coming to mind is the date picker that we're still using. Um, but there actually are Elm date pickers. We just haven't bothered to switch to them yet. <laughs> haven't gotten around to it, I should say. Um, and the other is just that, so Elm has this kind of unique philosophy of sort of exposing um, like a baseline API, sort of a wrapper around the web platform. And not all of that is covered yet. So uh, the biggest example of this is probably like local storage, like local persistence. Like there aren't APIs for doing that in Elm yet. Yeah. So if you want to do that stuff, you have to do JavaScript interop. Um, obviously, over time, that's getting you know smaller and smaller. And the, the goal is that eventually it'll just be you know uh, Elm all the things. But I think the for the indefinite future, I mean, if you want to get a big JavaScript library that you know. It, it does not exist in Elm. Like Google Maps comes immediately to mind. Like nobody's ever going to rewrite Google Maps in Elm. I, I think I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident that's going to be the case. So for stuff like that, I think you're always going to be doing JavaScript. But uh, at least my experience has been that you know you can pretty much have Elm be as much as possible, and then it's sort of JavaScript just just for the very rare cases where um, you just need that ecosystem. Yeah, I'd say so far with what I'm doing, I haven't really encountered any hurdles. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I think you actually didn't you just write, do JavaScript interop for the first time like a month ago? Oh yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah. It was that easy, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we. What were we working on? We were working on a little banner that would scroll down from the top when you scroll down to a certain point in the page, and I think there was no Elm package to detect that yet, so we right, did a little right. JavaScript interop. What, how, how many? How long had you been at the company at that point? Say a month. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Well, I mean, yeah, we're only a few months away from your probably start date, so you got like three or four months into. I think just coming up on three months. Yeah, cool. three months into the the Elm Forest. So when you come up to something like that, um, were you, for example, I don't know if you guys have a moment version. That was what I was coming to mind, like maybe a moment library, because I always reach for that and I know it's huge, but I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I just want to do this one thing at a moment. So I'll install the entire project. So like <laughs> something as simple as that, when you come up to something that's not been solved in Elm, like what's your approach to solving that? Do you first go to interop or do you go to like maybe we should write something new? I usually try to write something new. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's it's kind of an exciting opportunity if it's like if it's something manageable, right? Um, so Moment.js, of course, is like an enormous date manipulation library, but probably what you need, like you said, is just like one small part of it. Yeah. So as it happens, there's already a date library out there, um, but uh, you can always like either contribute to that, you know, if nobody's written the exact function you need, or um, just uh, you know start a new package if it's something where nobody's done any work on it yet. But it is kind of cool just to be able to um, like fill a gap in the open source ecosystem. Whereas in JavaScript, a lot of the time it seems like you know all the the really useful gaps are kind of already filled and it, it's just sort of like opportunities are really just like around the edges to <laughs> make a meaningful contribution sometimes. I know obviously no Red Ink, Red Ink uses Elm. Are there other companies out there using Elm uh, in production that have as many lines out there as you guys to, that are supporting the language as well? Pretty sure we got the most. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard of anybody having as many as we do uh, as, as far as lines of code go. But I definitely, I mean, I talk to companies on a pretty regular basis that are that, like, and and. I'm surprised because uh, I I don't know where they came from. Like a lot of the times, they're just you know sort of like off the radar. Like they don't really participate in like community discussions or like Slack or yeah um, you know message boards or anything. Uh, but then they'll just be like, oh yeah, we have twenty thousand lines of Elm code. But I'm like, who who are you? <laughs> How yeah, yeah. long have you been like that? Yeah, so. that's uh, our experience as well. Um, like we don't have twenty thousand lines at all. Like we maybe have thirty or forty lines of Elm code in production. <laughs> um, but we've got basically two separate projects that are using Elm within our ecosystem at Netlify. And uh, it just happened to be our CTO who really wanted to learn it and really wanted to do something in production. And he's not a fan of JavaScript. So he's uh, he's he's actually a Go programmer and he's very into all that ecosystem and backend infrastructure. And so he's like, oh, I just want to build this one thing to solve our problem. And basically our problem, I'll explain it because I'm sure the listeners are probably curious. Um, Netlify, we host websites, uh, that's simple what we do, basically. But when you deploy a deploy preview, uh, like on a GitHub PR, um, you can click that preview and see a live version of all your changes that are in your PR. Um, really cool. Uh, not really cool when you do a blog post and it shows up on Hacker News. So we basically added a, an Elm project as like a context recorder. And so every time you're on a deploy preview or not production in our app, um, not a lot of people use it outside of us. We're still kind of tinkering with it. But it will tell you exactly, this is not live code. This is actually on this PR and this commit. So click here to see changes. Click here to go see the PR. Um, super valuable, very helpful, especially when we have like support tickets and like, hey, we solved that problem. We haven't deployed the blog post yet. So here, here's a link. And that's basically what happened. Someone took a link from our support ticket and was like, oh, this is so awesome. Hacker News, front page. And I'm like, oh, no, no, don't do that. So now we have a, basically a warning that says, this is where you can see the code. Um, super straightforward. I actually read through the code the night that I met with you. I was able to really grok and understand exactly what was going on. Uh, I didn't have any idea of what to do with it, but um, <laughs> since we actually uh, do have it into like a Webpack plugin too. So it's called Context Recorder. So if you look for the Context Recorder Webpack plugin, you can just drop that into your your um, Webpack config, and then if you're using Netlify, it will know to put that up on the bar for you. So super super straightforward, but also it's like um, also I wanted to. Bring up that the fact that you guys converted, if I sounded right, you guys converted your, I guess, previously React app into now Elm piece piece by piece. Yeah. So was how did it? Because I know Elm is like this. It's not infrastructure. It's got like its own ecosystem. 
So did you guys, like, how did you approach that? Did you build, like, small LMAPs similar to what I just explained here and there, and then eventually you found out that this was an LMAP, like, all together? Uh, I think it was more just that, um, so initially we used it just kind of uh, for one part of one page, but then it was sort of like, okay, we're making a new page. We liked that small bit we did before. Let's make the whole new page in Elm. And then, okay, the one after that in Elm. And, oh, we're, we've got a designer now, so we'll redo this other page. Let's, when we redo it, let's redo it in Elm. Um, and sort of it, it was, I guess, more like one page at a time, most for the most part, than uh, one part of one page, except for at the very beginning. Okay. Yeah, I like the approach. I mean, I, I, I'm a React, React developer in the moment. We write our code in React today. Um, but I like that we could transition. We transitioned from Angular to React um, in the summer. And I like that we could take per pages and just render those React, which was totally fine. And I like the approach that we could pick a problem and solve that at Elm and then yeah. throw that in our production build. Exactly. Um, just super straightforward. I like, I like that approach. And I like that there's a, like a way for someone new to step into Elm and give it a try. Um, I think, I'm, I'm not sure where I heard it from, but things like, I think we wanted to attempt it, but we didn't do it yet. Um, but like the, like the credit card modal, like mm-hmm. when you enter the credit card, like you want to make sure those are like type checked. Like you don't want to just randomly put like SQL commands in your, where you should be <laughs> adding like credit card numbers. Not ideal. I think most credit card forms, they, they protect from that. But um, just something small like that where you could just, it's a modal, throw Elm on there, or it's a context bar, throw Elm on there and just see how it works. Definitely validate that one on your back end, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah. Yeah, well, Jamstack, we, we're very big in the API, so obviously we'd use Braintree or Stripe or something. <laughs> but cool. And then, um, so I guess, uh, rolling into that, like where, if I wanted to start Elm today, like I, I really want to scratch an edge. I like what was talked about. Like where, what sort of things would I go through to figure that out? Oh, goodness. Well, I guess I did this recently. Yeah, yeah. Well, one actually, way to do it is to yeah. dive into a code base that's largely Elm on the front end and to <laughs> just start hacking at that. We're hiring uh, if you'd like to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are hiring. Um, the way that I did it mostly outside of just working in our code base was working through the Elm tutorial. Um, and from there, seeing... Is seeing that uh, elmtutorial.org? Is that elmtutorial.org? That's so the official guide is uh, it's guide.elm-lang.org. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Yeah, and I started off by working through a few of those tutorials, and they they start off pretty easy, like get a button to render on the page, get yeah. a button to increment a counter, things like that. And then once you work through a couple of those, um, it becomes easier to start working on your own small projects. My approach that I've had so far, every six months, I basically relearn the syntax. Mm. And then now now I actually have a project to look at at work. Uh, So it's actually a lot easier to stay consistent on that. Well, not really. I haven't been consistent (laughs) my Elm at all. But um, it was really nice to actually go through the code and actually walk through and figure out what was going on as far as the project I, I mentioned. So super cool. And then Richard, you also have a book as well. That's true, yeah. Uh, Elm in Action from Manning Publications. Uh, it's in early access right now, so you can get about half of it. Uh, I'm still writing the, the second half. Um, also, Front End Masters. Uh, there's a like a two day Elm workshop that I did for them, um, which is actually more complete than the book at this point. <laughs> so I'm happy to recommend both of those. Yeah, cool. And and I know there's like Elm conferences or meetups at least outside the U.S. across the country. Like, it, does it seem like the community is kind of picking up at least? Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's great. So, uh, so last year we had our first conference, um, which was in St. Louis it was attached to strange loop. Um, so that was uh, elm conf. And then uh, next we have elm Europe in Paris in June. And then also elm conf, uh, is also going to be attached to strange loop again next year. Um, so yeah, really exciting to have gone from just like the first elm meetup I went to in San Francisco was like, wow, almost three years ago now. Um, and it was like, 15 people. And now I just went to one in London that was about a hundred people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really growing. It's cool. Cool. And I actually, my introduction Elm was when you were on one of the podcasts, either JavaScript Jabber or Ruby Rogues, one of the two. And you talked about your approach to um, the meetup. Well, not you, but whoever, whoever started the meetup and Evan. <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 the meetup itself is like, uh, actually don't explain kind of how the meetup structure is. Okay, yeah, um, sure. So uh, basically, the way we do it is kind of a hack night format. Um, so we don't do talks. Instead, what we do is basically people show up, and if you've got some project you're working on, we just kind of go around and say, hey, who's got projects? Just give us a 30-second pitch of like what you're working on and see if anyone wants to compare with you on it. Um, then we always have some number of people who are sort of brand new and want to just kind of get a quick intro. Um, then we have some number of people who just kind of want to have discussions about various things, collaborate with people. Um, so it's like a very laid back, just kind of free flowing, um, just like fun way to come build stuff. Uh, so uh, I think in the early days, um, Evan, you know, sort of did talks like a lot of meetups do. And he was like, well, but people aren't really building things. And I really want to just give people time to build stuff and learn from, you know, others. Um, and so ever since he switched to that format, it's it's been kind of what we suck with. And it's been working out really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like it, too, because like, for example, and I, I met you at the, the last meetup, uh, I was able to share the code that my CTO wrote uh, with the guy that was sitting next to me. And I'm able to explain it and then talk through it and like get feedback on like how to approach it or how cool it was or how cool it wasn't. Uh, and then I was able to actually figure out like what everybody else was working on too. Uh, so I think one of the biggest problems like trying to learn a new language or a new framework is like I have no idea what to build. Like there's yeah. enough to to do apps out there um, right. that you don't need one more Elm to do app. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. I met one guy a year ago who was building a chat. Um, he worked at Zendesk. I, I doubt it's actually in production at the moment, but he seemed like he was going off on his own world to build this chat app in Zendesk. So similar to Enicrom, basically. Yeah, I know uh, Zendesk is either already or about to be using Element production. Oh, maybe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I assume maybe. It I don't know if it's that out. project, but yeah. yeah, that would actually be really cool. Very serendipitous. But uh, yeah, he showed me that project, and I was just like, "Wow, this makes so much sense." And uh, I was pretty much sold until a year ago when I tried it again because I forgot about it. <laughs> Very cool. And then uh, I guess follow up to your experience, uh, Brooke. Now that you've been doing it for a few months, like, do you miss like writing JavaScript? I really don't. I don't miss writing JavaScript at all. I mean, when I first started writing Elm, it felt a little bit like wearing a straight jacket in comparison to the free-for-all that is JavaScript. And yeah. I had sort of a hard time grasping the whole type system. But now that I've been writing it for a while, I feel pretty comfortable using it. Um, and it's it's just very nice to not constantly encountering runtime errors. Awesome. Well, well with that being said, um, if you, unless you guys have anything else you want to add about Elm or anything else. Uh, when's Strange Loop actually? Uh, summertime? September. September. So, so okay. Elm Europe is in June uh, in Paris and then, yeah, uh, Elm Conf will be in September. I forget what date, but it's online. <laughs> cool. Hopefully I have a project to share by then. I'll submit a CFP. Nice. Cool. Well, with that being said, we'll go ahead and roll into jam picks. So these things you're jamming on, stuff that really gets you going uh, while you're coding or not coding like me and doing podcasts. So anyway, um, yeah, so I'll go first. And 
my first pick, uh, and also if you guys have extra picks to add on to this, because I didn't mention that they don't have to be technical picks. They can be fun picks as well. Uh, technical picks are fun, but I just don't <laughs> want to distinguish that you had to do a, a coding uh, pick. But I say that because my first pick is the hot bar at Whole Foods. Actually, just hit that up <laughs> on the way in. Uh, I am actually doing a vegan diet for the week. So it's just, I like to challenge myself. And I am nowhere near a vegan, like never been a vegan. But um, I'm trying really hard to do it. And uh, I had nothing to eat. And my wife's out of town. So I had, I got a whole bunch of bananas. So I had two of those for breakfast. And I had to come in here to get something to eat. So I'm like, oh, where can I go? And I rode my bike in. So I was like, oh, Whole Foods is on the way. So I went there and just looked like for anything that did not have milk or cheese or anything like that. And I was like, oh, cool. I can eat all this. <laughs> so uh, it was a very quick, quick snack, and I had to think. I didn't have to think too hard. Um, coincidentally, I do have a vegetarian uh, Chinese food restaurant near my house in Rockridge, um, in the East Bay. So I don't want to pick it because I think their food's horrible. But I do have <laughs> options in, if I do get desperate. Um, in addition to that, I also want to pick um, the Context Recorder, which is a Webpack plugin that uses Elm. So if you do use Net, uh, Netlify as your hosting provider. Uh, definitely check that out so that way you don't have problems like we did. And also play.netlify.com. It's a playground. to. It's written in Elm, and it's it's written to test redirects and also header things as well. So if you wanted to ever test like if redirects work, we actually have a redirects feature in Netlify. Um, so if you wanted to test it out, it's in our documentation, Netlify slash docs, if you want to check it out as well. Cool. And Brooke, did you have a pick for us? Yeah. Although first, commenting on the vegan diet thing, I too recently became a, well, I became a vegan um, a couple of months ago, or a fake vegan anyways. And so I've been having to revise all my recipes to be vegan inclusive. Okay. And yeah, would love to talk to you about that later. But anyways, my pick for the week. So I also recently got into carpentry around the same time that I got into this whole vegan diet thing. And I've been attempting to build all sorts of things. And the first thing I built was this workbench, uh, which was like setting up my environment. And that was pretty difficult. It was my first carpentry project ever, and it didn't turn out great. But just yesterday, I finished my second big project, which was this nice shoe rack um, shelf type of ordeal. And I'm super, super excited about it. It took me like four weeks longer than I expected it to. Um, well, that's and it was, pretty much how code is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so Lots I was of I keep thinking about it in terms of parallels to code. Um, and I have this problem when I code where I don't think about what I'm doing in advance. And so I'll just code, 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 code. And then I'll sort of run into a problem and be like, ah, oh, like should have planned for that. And it was sort of the same type of thing with my shelf where I thought it through most of the way. And then there were these certain pieces that I didn't know how to arrange, like the top, the tabletop of this shelf. Um, and so I just, I got to that point, I was like, oh crap, like I don't even know how to attach this thing. Um, <laughs> but eventually after some, some screw placement, I managed to attach the top of the table um, and everything turned out great. And now I have a very fancy shoe rack that I made and everything is awesome. Wow. That reminds me of the, uh, the tweets that go around all the time that's like unit testing versus like integration testing <laughs> and how, like, how oh, they have a bunch of pictures of like people building stuff. And they're just like epic fails that don't work uh, because they unit tested each part. Anyway, that's yeah. the first thing that popped in my mind. If you're going to build a shelf, think it through the whole way before you start just screwing things on. Cool. <laughs> Lessons learned. Do you have like, I'm curious, do you have like a space where you actually do your carpentry or do you do this like in your apartment or whatever? 
Yeah, I was lucky enough to find a house with a garage. So it's become the workshop. Okay, cool. Awesome. I also have a house with a garage. Garages are great. I don't, I don't do any carpentry. Though. <laughs> uh, Richard, you have any picks for us? Yeah, I got one. Um, so this is uh, Surge Teaches Mandarin. So I've, I've been attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. Um, and so far, I know almost nothing about it. Um, <laughs> Success. <but> I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, work in progress. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was, this was a pretty cool way to learn it. Um, he has like an interesting first, like it's basically this po- like sort of short podcast format where he just sort of like talks you through a lesson and like pauses so that you can say the word back and stuff like that. Um, it's been a really long time since I learned a language, like since I guess middle school was the last time that I tried to pick one up. So uh, maybe this is just part for the course for everybody, but so far I found it useful. Um, it's it's really a weird mental shift trying to wrap my head around some of the concepts. Like one of the first lessons is he talks about like the word ma, but he says that like there are four different ways to say it and all of them like have different meanings. So it's like ma, 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 ma. And all four of those mean different things just, just based on the different tones that you use to say it. And this is very alien to me because like in English you can have different tones and maybe it means you're being sarcastic versus something else, but it doesn't actually mean a different word. Right. Yeah. Um, usually. <laughs> uh, so that's been a, an interesting shift to, to sort of deal with. And, uh, my buddy Surge has been helping me out with that. Cool. And, uh, actually, do you see any parallels in learning an actual talking language to programming languages? I guess there's a, um, the mindset shift probably has some parallel with like FP versus OO. So one of the things that I've seen a lot of beginners in Elm um, have to like kind of come to grips with is, especially as you're scaling applications, when you're like, Elm doesn't have a component system, it doesn't have objects, you know? So like if you're used to scaling using those concepts, it's like kind of a different thing to deal with one atomic, you know, notion of application state and how to scale that just using functions. And turns out there are plenty of good ways to do it, but they're non-obvious if you're, you know, really comfortable and familiar with the object-oriented way. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I always every time I learn a new language, I always think because I, I same with you. I learned Spanish in high school. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, coincidentally, my family is actually half of it is is from Cuba. So, um, like, I grew up hearing Spanish, but uh. not really ever attempting to speak it. Uh, but every time I, I pick up a new language, I always try to find those parallels. Like, okay, well, I know in Ruby you can do this, so in JavaScript you can do this, and then Elm you can't do it. And then, so I basically find those parallels to be able to find my bearings at least. Um, so I'm very intrigued. I'm I'm going to Europe this summer, so I'm going to try to. Uh, I'm not sure what language I'm going to try to hone in on because uh, I'm going to go to a couple different places. But uh, I want to attempt speaking the native language while I'm out there. So. Who knows? It might be Spanish because I'm lazy. Because so. <laughs> I already know a little bit. So Cool. Well, guys, thanks for coming in to the studio uh, all the way down the street. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having us. Cool. And I, I really appreciate you, you sharing your experience, Brooke, uh, about uh, approaching the language of Elm as a new, a new programmer, at least, and uh, bringing your expertise, Richard, as well. I know you're, you're an expert at being on podcasts talking about Elm <laughs> at the moment. I've done a few. <laughs> cool. Well, with that being said, keep spreading the jam. Thanks. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 